young writers, when they ask me for advice, they always sort of say, well, I've got a lot of foolishness, I can tell you. But And the, the real advice, the good advice, I know from experience, almost nobody ever takes because uh, they think that my career was this smooth upward glide path. And it was anything but. I was writing 13 or 15 years before I ever had a bestseller. And then even after I had bestsellers, I had so many naysayers in the publishing business telling me I couldn't do what I was doing. It's an astonishing thing to look back on. And it's one of the most valuable things I can say is you're going to hit so many people telling you you're doing it the wrong way. It's never going to happen for you. The world is full of people who say it is possible. The first book I had that was a hardcover bestseller was a book called Strangers. The publisher had told me it was a very large book. The publisher told me she would support it, but I had to cut 40-some percent of it. And I couldn't. It just If I cut that much of the book, it would have made no sense. But it nevertheless crept onto the bottom of the bestseller list. And then the next book was called Watchers, and it did even better. But the book after that was a book called Light. And the publisher just just hated the book and told me, I can't publish this. You're finally creeping onto the bestseller list. You're having increasing success. This book will destroy your career. And I said, why? And she said, your vocabulary is too large. You have to keep a vocabulary of five or 600 words to be on the bestseller list. And then it was also your, your storylines are too complex. You have to make them simpler because readers don't go for complex things. Your linked character is a child for the first 30% of the book growing up. And you can't do that. You can't have the feature character for any length of time be a child. And I thought, what about Oliver Twist? What about To Kill a Mockingbird? We've argued for six months. She published the book. It ended up getting to number three in the New York Times. And my next book was my first number one. So then when Midnight hit number one, this publisher called me up and said, this will never happen to you again because you don't write kind of books that can be number one. <laughs> uh, and we did four more books together. Each one was number one. And every single time I was told this will never happen again until you finally say okay, I've got to go somewhere where they think this could happen. And it's the hardest thing to know when the naysayer is wrong and taking the good advice, but not the bad advice. It was the hardest thing in my career. And it held me back for many years because I, I would just say, well, this person is at the top of the business. They must know what they're talking about. And it took me a while to realize, no, not always. That's right. Is there anything that you've developed in terms of a maybe a series of questions or a way to pause and, and reflect on someone's opinion before deciding whether or not to receive it? It took me a long time, I mean, a few decades to get to the point where I would be sure of myself that I was right. I remember when I delivered Al Thomas, it was a totally another publisher, but when I delivered Al Thomas, he hated it so much. He told the editor, why he disliked it, I, I began to see certain things about his personality that it helped me understand that was within that a kind of a hesitancy to admit that you could be wrong. 
And yeah. I could see that in certain other things that was happening in that company. There was a refusal to acknowledge uh, a wrong decision that had been made. So I came to see then that whenever you work with that person, you couldn't say uh, you're wrong about that. You had to take a different tack and say, well, here's why I think, you know, that public will like this and take other ways to get your way. And I began to see after that many cases that it always comes out of what people may have been through in their own life and why they deeply desire to have their way. Different people have different reasons for why they would have their way. And it can be very hard to figure out the psychology of it. And therefore, you have to be more diplomatic. Over 8,000 busy professionals call it the Tesla of productivity apps. Why? Because Sansama is not just a plain old to-do list productivity app. You can plan your day, strike work-life balance, and achieve your goals without burning out. Try for free today at sansama.com. No card needed.